On this episode of the podcast, Jared accidentally buys a horse disguised as a dog. I continue to be perplexed by people who ignore me, and we hurt each other's feelings in a brutal contest of microaggressions. I'm Jared Nichols. I'm Paul Tulin. And this is the best pandemic ever. Paul Tulin, Jared Nichols. Here we are on a Saturday morning, deviating from our normal schedule. I thought this is kind of fun, actually. It's like, you know, yes. it has a whole totally different vibe to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's more relaxed. It's like, oh, Saturday morning, like, it'll, yeah. it'll, the episode will drop at the same time. So people won't really, like, maybe we should release this one at a different time so they get to share and sort of the laid back kind of yeah. vibe that maybe this we, has. We have a little offshoot. Like, oh, here, here's what it is. Always thinking for patrons, those who pay for the Saturday morning pandemic and pancakes. I'm coming up with this on the spot right now. Pancakes and pan... Mm, I don't know. What do you think, man? Should we throw some pancakes in the mix on this one and then well, make people pay for them? Yeah, well, here's what I think about about you and, and your ideas. I think that's <laughs> and here's why. Because, because we're going to have to rehash a couple of things, right? And we're going to have to rehash a couple of things because we had to... This is kind of a remake of another episode because we made this other... We made an episode and then we both agreed that we were like, hey, we can't run that episode because... Because Paul went too far. Paul went well, way too far. We talked about somebody that we were really worried would hurt their feelings, and we're like, we're not going to do that. So without so naming, scrapped, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we scrapped that episode, um, and so we're we're remaking some things. <laughs> but one of the things that I brought up on the on the episode that we dumped was the fact that at the tail end of episode, I think five or six, yeah, you completely out of the blue, ad hoc, not having uh, discussed it at all decided you would offer the listening audience a free chicken parmesan dinner at my expense in terms of labor and commitment, right? Totally and materials. Up the cup and of course, yeah. And, yeah we just I committed that up. And then I started, and then I was essentially besieged with requests for chicken parmesan dinners. So yeah, your off the cuff offers to the listening audience, which I thought were essentially harmless because nobody listens. Right. Really, yeah, those go those go south. So my initial take on that entire idea is it's complete shit. Please don't bring up these offerings again because you know they're, they're always they're always things that you offer that I will do. Oh so I'm yeah. Not really sure that uh, how that dynamic is supposed to work, but I don't think that's how it's supposed to go. Well, I just I I feel bad that I get to spend so much time with you and I really just want to share that experience with other folks. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. and so let's celebrate the fact that people are listening all the way through to the end of the of the episode. But as I said in in our dumped episode, uh, the thing I'm really that I do remember because I don't remember exactly making that offer. I think it was about you cooking. Chicken parm is, is off. I went back and listened. You oh, I actually said, said oh. a chicken parm dinner, hundred percent. Man, look at that. So that, like, this, that's another reason. Why is everybody messaging me about chicken parm? I'm like, what the hell? So I went back and listened, which I try not to do because you know you listen to yourself. It sounds terrible. So I went back and I listened, and it was like the it was like literally like one of the last things you said. Oh and it man, was like yeah. This so, is why Saturday mornings um, recording are a little bit different because at the time of day we normally record. We've already had a long day of, you know, we're kind of tired. It's a, we're, we're, we still have a lot of energy, but it's usually like our second wind. But that also means for me, at least, that a lot of things I just forget. So I, yeah. it's, yeah. Oh, I forget. I mean, if it's, it. there's no so way have, I can refute it. But I do have two things that I want to, I want to talk up right up front. I want yeah. to talk about right up front. One, um, 
of my my good friend, the closest thing I have to a brother, besides you, of course, Thank you. is my friend Rob. I mentioned Rob when we were talking about the above ground pools. If you oh, remember, oh yes, oh how could I forget? Right, Rob sent me a note and he said, "Oh, he's like I was so flattered, you know, that you that you mentioned me and hear my name on the podcast <laughs> and you know talking about the above ground pools." And then of course he wrote this really hilarious email about. Um, oh God, I, I, I wish I, I wish I had it in front of me because he talked about um, how the last time he went by there, it was like overgrown with grass, or it had, it had, uh, it, it, it oh. something about how it had buried like their collective shame. Or it was just really, just really <laughs> funny. I should have brought right. it up, but, um, but anyway, so, so that came at like I don't know, it was like two thirds of the way through the episode, and I felt bad that he actually had to listen that long to hear himself mentioned so i'm just going to put it out right at the front end of the episode so rob if you listen to this one th this is this is me talking about you what a wonderful guy you are how i love you like a brother but you don't have to listen to the whole episode for that i, I don't want to drag anybody through that so i have although, to get that out of the way no that's good although rob i will say if you do listen to the entire episode there is a special <laughs> offer that i will be revealing at the end so stay tuned <laughs> so here's the other thing that i that i speaking of you know what I, you know, people that I care about that I wanted to bring up. I wanted to say it on the episode up front, and that is for everybody who's listening that you, Jared Nichols, oh. are a, are a terrible, terrible person because <laughs> you, because you went and you know you went and did the oh. thing that no one is supposed to do. You didn't rescue a dog. Mm. You went and you oh. got you know you yeah. got the dog from the breeder. You're an evil, horrible man. And right. and you will and you you are gonna reap what you sow because that dog, and we'll talk about the breed here in a second, is gonna grow to be an enormous animal. That's right. And it is gonna leave, I would say, if not human size, then if not horse size, then human sized dumps all over your yard that you will have. That is good. That thing is gonna it's gonna pay you back. You know, tenfold. Yeah. And it's also been torturing you all week. Your poor wife was sleeping in this morning because she was up all I noticed she was up all night with the puppy. Yes. Uh yeah, so I was sleeping in the guest room is terrible. Um I Yeah. Because I will not sleep at all. Like and in both of us being she can actually sleep through it because she was used to that when our boys were you know, when they were babies and I was oh, you're terrible. You were a real prince. So, I so I feel like so where's the puppy in the, in the, in the master bedroom. Oh, yeah. No, no. Yeah. So we've got him in a, a big kennel, yep. a crate right next to the bed just for a while. He's cause he's just a baby. He's only eight, yeah. eight and a half weeks old. Because you ripped that dog from the warm bosom of his mother at eight weeks old, which can, you can just you're, you're just building a stronger case about what an awful human being you no, are. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. Here's how I look at all of that. <laughs> so, uh, this you know when they are eight weeks, this is the best time to get them because their brains are still growing, so they actually bond closer to you as the owner. Uh, I, I, right now I can't even look at you because I feel like everything I say is just going to be total, be total shit. Yeah, it's like, I can't look at you. <laughs> exactly. Like I'm just, I'm just, I'm walking into the trap here, Paul. Yeah. Anyway, no, I wanted, I wanted a very specific breed that I knew where the, the parents had, you know, come from and things like that. And I wanted one that was genetically modified that when it dumped, it actually was uh, fertilizer. So okay. we have a genetically modified nice. animal who's, you know, yep. dog poo is actual uh, organic so are you going to just going solo? Is it just going to be the one? Because I'll tell you, 
as mu- as much of a hassle as not a hassle. Look, we have dog. You know, we have. Oh, yeah. the dog. But um, but I-, I will say there was a lot to be said about having having another dog, like having them in pairs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because because they're able to kind of keep each other company and they scrap around with one another once in a while that happens but there's a lot to be said for that what i'm telling you is I, you know what i'll just get talk on. to leanne about it. you should just get another dog right away you want them to be you know, want them to grow up together that's, right. that's important yeah yeah well you know i mean they are uh you know when you get these designer dogs they're not cheap although i think our, i've seen what some people pay for full-bred dogs you know certain breeds and it's ungodly ours was not um i mean it was it was a good little price but uh but totally worth it yeah it, it would be fun you to have like 10 hours to pick it up didn't you we did we drove out to harker's island Oof. north carolina is is a big state because it's so long and it's yeah. you know so so from charlotte to harker's island out in the outer banks there five and a half hours yeah easy oh yeah yeah but it was worth it i mean he's awesome he is so yeah, puppies are rough, man. I mean, that's that's a commitment. It really is. An eight week old puppy. That's like having a newborn. Yeah, obviously, is. because again, I slept in the guest room. I'm a horrible person. <laughs> you're sleeping through the. I mean, you wouldn't know you're sleeping through the night, but your poor wife is getting up a couple of times. A night. She can sleep through. Like, yeah. Well, they they like kind of bark and whine. You know yeah. what I mean? Like in the middle of the night. I remember that from yeah. from these. Yeah. R2, he, he, oh, go ahead. How old were yours when you got him? Um, our two, the, the two we have, I mean, they were, you know, a year, two years, something like that. You know, Luna was, uh, was a, uh, straight up, um, uh, pound dog. I, I don't like to use the term rescue. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like I come from a background, like you throwing around the word rescue. Like yeah. I wasn't low crawling under fire, you know, <laughs> breaching the kennel. To, you know, you know, <laughs> I just, that's, that's fun. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't exactly rescuing it. So, yeah. you know. But um, but we got her from uh, Hope County uh, Animal Rescue, and you straight up junkyard dog. She was tied up in somebody's backyard for a couple of years, um, and that's just kind of one of they where they left her in the fence. She was you know all kind of had scars from being bitten by flies, not fleas, by like flies actually oh, chewing yeah. on her. And you would think a dog like that would be like pretty humble in terms of how they interact in the home that dog is the most entitled sack of shit like she <laughs> like she came in and she's like she owns the place like yeah. she's like oh i should be on this couch right this couch belongs to me it's it's it baffles my mind like so yeah but um but she was probably they said she was two but she was clearly older they said she was like a lab mix she was like pit bull whip it she oh. had no lab in her at all no uh, which, you know, which is another thing I paid for, by the way, is genetic testing on our dogs, right? I, I, I did happen. Hold on. You actually, so we had that for our old dog, but it was a gift from my mom because I was, I was like, I'm not going to genetically test my dog. What kind of asshole does that? That's so stupid. But clearly, now I know. The kind of asshole who does what he's told when he's told. <laughs> oh, did your wife want to know? I mean, it is a curiosity. So what did you find out? Because I have, I'm... I'm I found out exactly what I found out. Luna's mother was a whore. <laughs> dog has got everything. Like she comes from a long line of very promiscuous other dogs. She's got like Whippet and Pitbull and sh- she's got everything in there. Ruby, on the other hand, is pure um, lab shepherd mix. And 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 the fact that that combination is not an insanely popular like boutique dog blows my mind it mm. blows my mind because that dog is 
first of all, we haven't, we've never, and I mean, I'm, I'm talking, I'm using the word never. We've never bathed that dog, not once, not mm-hmm. one time. That dog never smells. Wow. She's insanely smart. She is insanely obedient. A little bit of a little bit needy, like she, but she will not leave Christine's side. Yeah. Um, you could walk her anywhere on a leash and she wouldn't, if she saw a squirrel, she wouldn't chase it. I mean, just, yeah. you know, super athletic. I, and I can't believe it's not like this, like this thing, like, you know, like all these poodle mix. Go, all sort yeah, of shit. golden doodles and yeah, all, all that crap. I, I can't believe the shepherd lab mix isn't like, isn't huge because she's amazing. Um, they're both awesome. You know what I mean? They're, you know, they've recently gotten, you know, as they've gotten older, they fought a few times and Christine, that's traumatic. Like it is like straight up PTSD for her. She just can't handle when they go at each other because it sounds horrific. Oh yeah. I mean, when, oh, when those dogs fight, it sounds horrific. Which is who, kind of the who wins usually in those fights. We well, we jump in. I mean, we jump in. I think Ruby would definitely would definitely. I mean, she'd probably kill Luna. Hmm. Uh, came down to it because apparently because they're both girls and apparently two female dogs are way more problematic than two male dogs really that's what i read i Mm. don't know why um but so anyway so all of that aside yeah there's you know we've there's we've always had two we've always had two dogs Um, it makes sense it does i i'd like to do that uh yeah you know this is our for every dog that we've ever had has always been a rescue I mean, yeah. our last dog, he was, we got him from the German Shepherd Rescue. So I love German Shepherds. I think they're amazing dogs. Um, but they're, they are a liability in, in a number of ways. If you don't know the breeding, if you, you know, I mean, they're work dogs. So no matter how, any big dog, there's always going to be a liability. I, I always love when people say, oh, no, 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 he would never hurt anybody. Or they talk about their pit bull. Oh, he's, he's super friendly. I'm like, he's, he's a fucking pit bull. I was like, until I'm sure he's, he's yeah, yeah, he's super friendly until his, you know, he's got your, got you by the throat. Yeah. You know? So uh, there's just a lot of ignorance, I think, that's out there. But, you know, with two small kids, uh, we found the, this amazing breed called a Shiloh Shepherd. So this is basically an overgrown German Shepherd, longer hair. But all the anxiety and shepherding tendencies has been bred out of it. So it's much more calm. They're very intelligent. I mean, they're just majestic looking animals. We saw one of these when we lived up in Boone, up in the mountains. And, uh, Is that actually, where you kind of discovered that that's the yeah. dog you wanted? I'm yeah. looking it up right now. Oh, I there. saw the picture you sent me, but I'm looking it up. Oh, and, it, and those pictures that I sent you of the actual, of, uh, our dog's mother, the breeders, it, yep. it does them no, it, it doesn't do them justice. When we actually got to meet the mother... She was huge. She's 90 pounds, but long and tall, like 28 inches. And, yeah. uh, and the dad is 130 pounds. Super chill. I, we didn't get to meet him. He wasn't there. But the is mom. Is that fur or is it hair? I'm looking at a picture. Fur or hair? Oh, you mean are they yeah. plush or? I, I don't know no, the difference. Because some, no, because some dogs like, uh, I think the Portuguese water dog, it has hair, not fur, which means they don't shed. Oh, um, they'll shed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, is a lot of fur. You're going to be able to make a whole other dog out of the amount of fur that they shed. Well, I tell you what, it'll be nothing compared to our previous dog. He died uh, a year ago. He was 11. And, I mean, he was just all year round. And we would get the Furminator. We'd Furminate yep. him. So clean him outside. It, completely pointless. But it was great because all the birds would come and they had the best material for their nests for that year. Because it was just it looked like we slaughtered something in the backyard every time we'd Furminate our old dog. Yeah. And he was so chill. He was really super easygoing. He did have a lot of hangups. This is one of the problems. He was, he had a lot of anxiety. He was afraid of inanimate objects. But if we took him out into, yeah, we'd go walking around the neighborhood and on the leash. And if we came to a garbage can, he would pull all the way out into the street 
you know, be like, yo, dude, because he was afraid of the garbage can. He just had oh, a lot geez. of weird hangups and yeah. fears. Yeah, he was, but uh, but he never ran away. He we never had to teach him not to, uh, you know, to take off. He was really obedient. Um, I think he may have had one accident when, and we got him at four months. But you know, he was he was skittish around kids. So he just he was kind of, you know, and I didn't want that. That was the other thing too, is that I really wanted to know what I was getting into. Yeah. Um, and these dogs were amazing when I met them, and I thought I want one of those one day. So. Does a Shiloh Shepherd have any aggression? I mean, because that's, you know, for us, you know, back when I was deploying, you know, I, I, over my career, I was gone a lot. So having dogs around, that's the best security system in the world. I don't give a oh. shit what anybody tells you. Yeah. Nobody walking up to my house and those dogs start barking, they're going to be like, they're mm, going to walk away. Next house. They're walking away for sure. They sound like they will absolutely murder you. Yeah. So does the Shiloh Shepherd still have at least that protective quality or are they just totally You know, like, every oh. Yeah, no, no. I mean, every dog every dog is going to still have some of that quality in there. I mean, like with a if you're around a German Shepherd, for example, they're with their owner. There's a certain level of heightened awareness with a German Shepherd. They're like, "Do I need to you know, they're checking you out. They're like sensing everything that's going on. Um, and their first inclination is going to be to bark and get you away. Even if they're the sweetest thing in the world. We've got a big 100-pound German Shepherd living next door. The folks just moved in. He's awesome. He's a three-year-old. He's a, I'm, he's the largest German Shepherd I've ever seen. But he's just like a big puppy. Um, but when he barks, the whole neighborhood can hear it because he is yeah. a big, big dog. Uh, so they, like all dogs, will bark you know, and alert you if something's going on. Um, they are not, they have, they have intentionally bred out that, uh, you know, always on the lookout, always on high alert, like a German yep. Shepherd has, yep. because they're also used as therapy dogs. I tell you what though, just the sheer size of this dog, when you see it, uh, that would deter most people. They think, holy shit, that is the biggest German Shepherd I've ever seen. They look like wolves. They do. Yeah, I'm looking at the picture. It's crazy. They, they are gorgeous, man. I can't wait for you to meet this guy. So we we wow. actually we named him Rolo, famous Rolo. Viking, Rolo the Walker. Rolo the Walker. It's Mussy, the infamous uh, mythical character from uh, Usual Suspects. That's uh, No, not Usual Suspects. Uh, what's the one with Kevin Spacey, and they're all cops in like the 1950s? 50s in LA. Oh, that's LA Confidential, isn't it? Oh yeah, LA Confidential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. LA Confidential. How oh, nice. Uh, yeah, so that's what I'm going to tell people. That's what I'll tell people. You name that. Name it after it's like not not yeah. the Viking who was so large he couldn't ride a horse. You know. Yeah. So I, so there are probably well what there's at this point in time in 2020 there's probably what a million podcasts now out there. So there's probably at least and pets are such a huge deal. There's probably I guess you know maybe. 20 or 50,000 podcasts about dogs is probably a podcast solely dedicated to Shiloh Shepherds. Yeah, However, I don't know. It's not one of them. This is so, not <laughs> on for a while. But it but the point is still relevant because I'm wondering because early on in the pandemic, um there was a uh, a groundswell of adoptions of pets because people were kind of lonely and they didn't have anything to do. So, you know, we talk about the best pandemic ever, silver linings, you know, um, I don't know what the trajectory looks like now, but, and I don't know that you could ever get ahead of this quote unquote problem of how many domesticated animals we have in this country and how many are abandoned and how many are, you know, I mean, it's, it seems to be almost insurmountable. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so, 
would you characterize the acquisition of Rolo as a byproduct of the pandemic? No, I've I've been even before our last dog passed away. I knew I wanted to get one of these. So this yeah, has been. Good job, man. I'm throwing you. I'm throwing you softballs here. What, what are you doing? I'm trying to. Segue oh, sorry. Into what the hell are you supposed to be doing here? <laughs> so I was just no, answering. No, no, it's like, no. like no, no. This this has been a long term plan of mine. There was not like I didn't randomly wake up and go. You know what? I think I want to go buy a you know a custom bred dog. But that's like, happening, man. I mean, that's definitely happening. You oh know, yeah, that, you yeah. Know, I don't know what the I don't know what the stats look like now, but certainly in the beginning, that was that was. Uh, no, that's uh, you're right. That is the, that is true, and I, I would almost imagine that. Um, well, again, you know, we we talk about this. We talked about the, well, we actually talked about this in the episode we dumped. So I guess we can talk about it now because nobody is going to hear that old sure. episode unless they unless they want to pay a premium for the dumped episode. I still have it recorded. <laughs> For two dollars and fifty three cents, I will send you the recording. No, so uh, if the economy, if people um, are struggling in the fall, you know, you just said if if there if there's if there's more fallout, which I expect there to be continued fallout from this pandemic. I mean, you and you and me, we we are not feeling it the same way that other people are. We've talked about that a lot, uh, but if the continued fallout. Uh, doesn't slow down. I mean, you have to think how many dogs, how many family pits. Have, if you're out of your house, like I don't know, it's in the middle of crisis where a lot, a lot of dogs get turned out. Mm. So hopefully that you know that won't. Well, be maybe, yeah, maybe maybe we'll see a backlash, right, or a whiplash effect. Um, but again, you know, the the premise of many of the things that we discuss have to do with our own personal observations and things we can validate. And I will tell you, I did another road trip. Um, I went up to Virginia. I had more business with the nonprofit that I work with, um, checking out a facility that we're going to use. And um, I had a conversation with the guy who, the company that's going to do um, the catering for it, uh, Mission Barbecue, who I love. I mean, I, you know, Mission Barbecue is an amazing organization. They're still, you, you'd think they're franchised, but they're not. They're all, they're all corporately owned. The guy who founded it, Bill Krauss, amazing guy. It's just, just an awesome organization. Um, and they are providing the barbecue dinner at the thing we're doing for the, it's a donation so they're donating the entire thing for us which is amazing that's cool um yeah they're a great company and i was talking to the head of catering and he and he was saying the same and he was saying basically the same thing he said he said that um the the pandemic has had zero effect on him he did say but he did say except in the beginning you know having a huge dip in you know in revenue but he didn't say having a huge dip in revenue, and as a result, we went completely out of business. You know I mean, like everybody that I talked to that even indicates that they had some financial hardship have already talked about essentially some kind of recovery or survivability from it, and it sucked. But you know, they they've they made it through. So again, it's it's been hard, and it should matter. It should matter statistically. Well, maybe not statistically, but anecdotally, it should matter that we're having a lot of trouble finding people. That can tell us about their economic hardship, um, because well, that. And, and no, I, yeah. we have a guest list this week. You know, we, we don't have a guest this week, but we've had you know previous guests, and all of them say it's kind of the same thing. You know, they, it was it was a little rough for a while, but they're you know they're they're they survived it and they're kind of coming back. Yeah, well, you know, and I I, I do think it. We also have to point to the fact that it um, people that we do have conversations about this are almost certainly going to be people that are. Are doing okay. If they weren't, we wouldn't be having conversations. I'm not talking about on the show here, just in general. Like no, no barbecue place that, that was struggling would be able to do this for free, right? 
they wouldn't be able to donate that. So there are, you know, that I think it always goes back to, you know, we do want to, we want to verify what it is that we hear. Um, but in our own circles, you know, if people have the, the means and the mobility to, to interact with us, uh, to actually stay moving ahead, then they're obviously going to be the ones that are doing well. Also, the other thing is, too, is very few folks are going to say, hey, you know, Paul, I'd like to talk to you about how I'm struggling economically. Like, that's just mm. a hard thing to talk about. So I think, you know, you're not going to find a lot of people, even if they are, who are yeah, going to admit that. That's a good point. Yeah, maybe people will be less inclined to actually discuss that. But certainly, you know, um, if we were having a candid conversation specifically about that, yeah. Um, or you would also, but you would also kind of know, you know what I mean? You kind of, yeah. you know, you hear Maybe. about yeah. those things from your friends and family and, you know, I, I just don't get that. I just don't get that sense. Um, and so, I, you know, it causes me to question the validity of that information, just like I question the validity of a lot of other information. Isn't that crazy? So, you know, one thing I've noticed since the beginning of this pandemic in our conversations is that we've always been skeptical of the media anyway, left, right. It's all corporate media doesn't matter you know they're not incentivized to inform us they're incentivized to divide us that that's nothing new but i have to say and i think a lot of this is evident in our own conversations the amount of distrust that i feel for any kind of media right now i mean and i'm i'm a critical thinker like you we think critically i listen to certain things and i know what their their political leanings are so i was like yeah that's the lens that they're looking through but all of it is just you can't trust it's it's come to a point where it just seems like it's gotten way worse since the pandemic and maybe it's i'm just paying even more attention uh because we need to but man it's the fact that we can't even that we have to go out and validate uh you know national numbers in our own minds as crazy as this is like wouldn't it be great if they said hey the unemployment rate is this and this is what's actually going on we say man that's terrible how can we help instead it's is it <laughs> you mm -hmm. know yeah like that yes. is fucked up i mean yeah well i mean so you know i i hate i hate watching the news i try not to but of course christine loves to see the good news story that they always tag on the end which i think is designed to it's all part of a formula to rope us all in to listen to the crap before it right but whatever occasionally it's on right so i will admit that occasionally it's on the other day, a couple of weeks ago, maybe, um, you know, the 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 controversy. Uh, I hesitate to call it a controversy because I'm just doing what everybody else does. Um, but the information about the statements that Trump made with regard to um, false soldiers, remember yeah. that it was, you know, yeah. and he, you know, he had reportedly said they were suckers or this or that, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so um, so when I turned the news on. The, when we when the news was on, the way that they introduced the story was, you know, uh, it was like the president under a firestorm tonight. About and I was like, right at that moment, I was like, just that singular choice of word has already removed all objectivity from from that story. It's not about the possibility that he said it or he did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're you're already and it, you know and I. I remember I saw um, a uh, an experiment where two groups of people were divided up, and where they could both observe the exact same uh, the exact same accident mm -hmm. that was staged. And a car came in, and it hit another car, and then it drove away. And so a police officer asked a similar question. They asked the same question to both groups. Uh, which was how fast was the car going? And one group said 
it was going about 35 to 55 miles an hour. And the other group said that it was going between 15 and 25 miles an hour. And the only difference in the way that the question was asked to those two groups was this. On one, he said, how fast was that car going when it crashed into the other car? And in the other group, he said, how fast was that car going when it bumped into the other car? And so it was a single word, like a single word in how you ask something, phrase it, present it, can change people's perception about what they actually physically saw. Yeah. So what do you do when you, you know, when you, what perception do you create automatically when you choose words like firestorm, controversy, all those kind of things? You're setting that up in a very specific way. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. No, no, that's, but that's, and that goes to reinforce the idea that they're incentivized to get you outraged. That's all of them. And, uh, is it just attention? I don't know if it's outrage per se. Obviously, outrage. Well, it's, you know, yeah, it's your attention. It's your attention. It, it gets your blood pressure up. You're like, oh, man, what's going on? Oh, you know, immediately it's that dopamine hit of like, oh, wait, this is important. Oh, wait, what's going on here? We need to we need to understand what's happening because this is a firestorm, right? You find that. And I know that the network, that's, that's got to be one of the major ABC, CBS, NBC. My parents watch that stuff, too. And I don't know. What's the guy's name? It drives me nuts. Uh, on ABC or NBC? It's the same network I think your your wife is watching. Uh, is uh, Lester Holt. Yeah, it, it's it's one of the other guys. Uh, David Muir. Dude drives me crazy. I, my oh, parents watch him. Uh, you know, he's real well put together, really nice hair. <laughs> you know, he's, you know, he kind of talks in this. He, he almost seems like he's always serious, even about lighthearted stuff. And I'm thinking, that guy needs to chill. That guy needs to chill out. You see, me, you see me futzing around here. I'm trying to plug in my uh, my power cord here because my battery is getting low on my, my laptop. And, of course, yeah, the power cord does not seem to be working. No, of course uh, not, man. We can't. We just can never catch a break. I'm telling you what, man. Yeah, so anyway, I mean, this is not to bash Dave Muir. I mean, this is their job. This is what they do. This is the brand. This is the uh, this is the product that you're getting with this here. But I, I want to go back to this idea of how one word can change people's perception. I, to me, this reinforces the idea that what we say needs to be really clear and really intentional. Now, when you hear things like that from the media, it's like it is really intentional, but it's not always clear. There's there's this incentive to create ambiguity so that your attention stays locked and hopefully you'll get the rest of the story. Just like I say, if you listen to the end of this episode, there's a special gift I will give you on behalf of Paul, right? I'm very clear about that. And hopefully by the end of this episode, I will have decided what that gift is going to be. But uh, yeah, so so this is really important. Um, in, a, in an age of disinformation and intentional ambiguity where nothing is is set it's just a constantly evolving definition of whatever you think it might mean or what you know it's there's a lot of uh inference to say oh well you should yeah we all we all know what this is well yeah we all know but what we really need to do is step back and start saying exactly what it is we mean and mean what it is that we say we right now i honestly believe we have as individuals we need to be really purposeful and how we communicate, especially because we've got this this other larger conversation going on. Um, you know, it's been going on for a long time, but the whole political correctness of what, you know, kind of the policing of what you can and can't say. 
So I think we really need to, to, uh, because if we don't, if we don't get better at clearly communicating, I think that's just going to leave us vulnerable for a whole lot of manipulation. It's going to leave us vulnerable for a lot of misunderstanding. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I, maybe I'm just rambling here, but it seems that language is so important. Well, and you know, it's, not it's funny you say that about, you know, about, for, so for a long time it was in vogue to, you know, to uh, rally against political correctness. And then it just turned into, it just evolved into so much other, you know, um, so many other different manifestations of that idea that even politically PC sounds old and tired at this right. point, right? Yeah. But I will tell you, I know in my heart that I am not a racist, right? right. Like yeah. I, I know that in my heart, like I, you know, but at the same time, I want to, if I want to talk about my neighbor, so my neighbor is African-American, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not even sure what the right word is. I'm supposed to like, what, what is the thing? What is the word? that I use to describe my neighbor, if I'm going to describe him um, within the framework of his race, which someone would be like, well, you don't need to do that. You know, that's the, the answer is you don't describe him that way. Oh, oh okay, maybe, whatever. Um, maybe, maybe that is the answer. Um, but like, like, I don't even know what the right word is to adequately communicate my, my deep felt, deeply held belief in myself that I'm not racist. Like, do I refer to him as African-American? Can I say that he's black? Is it that I can't refer to his race at all? That's what distinguishes, that's the right way. Like, I don't even know what the right way to say yeah. it is anymore. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I don't give a shit. Right. I don't care. And he you know probably I mean? doesn't either, you know? Of course he doesn't. Yeah, of course <laughs> no. he doesn't. But, like but most people. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, we're, you know, he's, he's my neighbor. We're friends. But but you know what I mean? Like, that 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 is problematic that, that they're, like, where does that, where does that go? Where does that notion of, geez, I... I don't know what the right thing to say is. I know what I believe. I know what I feel, but I'm not sure how I'm supposed to. What am I supposed to do, man? Yeah, yeah. Say. You know, I don't. I don't either. And like you, I don't care because you know. I'm just thinking. Look, I. I just want to treat everybody like a human being. You know, this whole conversation. Like, there are issues that need to be addressed, but they are being overshadowed by all this nonsense and this over policing of speech and these dipshit ideas that uh, emotional safety is equivalent to physical safety. You know, when you think about the college kids, you know, like uh, Evergreen and all this, like, oh, I need a safe space or trigger warnings. I'm like, this goes to kind of the heart of what you and I talk about a lot, Paul, and our own concern is that we are in this world, we are, uh, we are raising a generation of fragile people. And to me, it's just, you know what? Fragile people break. And if these are the people that are going to be making decisions for us, that's a real problem. And we need to do what we do naturally as humans, and that is just treat each other like people. I mean, all of us are going to have bias in some form or fashion, but this hyper-focus and over-academic uh, discussion on race is not helping. It's forcing us to be more race-centric. Uh, but I'm going I'm to I'm um, challenge a little bit of, of what you said in the same way that I challenged it for Jamie when we had Jamie Mustard on, which is, look, I deal with a hand, I, I don't have a big sampling, but the, you know, the place where all of this seems to be um, 
where the accusation of its birthplace is, of course, the universities and academia, right? Yep. And so I don't have a huge sampling, but I got a pretty good sampling of college kids, kids who have recently graduated from college, and they're all amazing, man. Yeah. They're not super sensitive to that stuff. They're not, you know, telling, you know, I mean, a little bit more than we were. Yeah. But, you know, but not in a way that's crippling or, or, or you know, that hobbles a conversation or a relationship. Um, so how so how real is that, you know, is that risk? How real is the is the problem with uh, with the, the perversion of language? I, I don't know that it's all. Again, I, I don't yeah, know that. It's, it's, no, you're it's right. Because we as we think. Well, and, you know, if you're if you again, so you're right. I mean. And that is something we talked about with Jamie, uh, is that, is this more isolated? There is that, you know, it goes to what the media is going to focus on or whatever we listen to. It's always going to have a much brighter spotlight put on it. Uh, This has been going on for several years. And it tends to be in, (laughs) the funny thing is, the ones who are creating all this policing about language, race, sexuality, whatnot, these are mostly white people, white educated liberal people. You know, and again, I'm, I'm very socially liberal. I do not fall into one camp or the other. Um, I'm fiercely independent at the same time. So it's really interesting to look at where these these uh, where this hyper focus is at. It's in academia or it's going to be in places like Portland or Seattle. These are very white places. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, like you, I don't have conversations with folks who actually uh, who are so deep into this new way of speaking that. Uh, I mean, again, I just, I guess I just, most of the people I talked to were just normal humans, right? You know, I mean, and well, I humans. Think a, I think there's a reason for that. Look, we're, we're both very gregarious, conversational. Yeah. Christ, we have, I mean, we have conversations with people all the time, you know? Yeah. Um, statistically, we ought to have hit, we ought to have run into somebody like that. I, I would argue that the reason that we don't, because the pool is just so small. I mean, the pool right. is just so small of people that are actually safe to take everything else. You know, it's just it's a it's an incredibly small voice being amplified disproportionately. So we begin to believe that it's more common. But if it were more common, we would run into those people more often. It doesn't matter that we're just you know we're in North Carolina. People be like, oh, you're in North Carolina. There's none of that there. Look, I've been to San Francisco recently. You know what I mean? I've been to these. I've been to all these places where you would think I'd still run, and I still don't run into those folks. So yeah. it can't be that many. Well, you know, some of the concerns I've heard, and again, this I think too, we're also isolated. You are on a military base. You work for the government. I work for myself. But apparently, this this is becoming a big thing in uh, a lot of corporations right now, and it's sped up. Uh, since the murder of George Floyd, it's sped up, and a lot more of this is being um, poured into organizations to focus on. Like I saw this article the other day, Paul, and I was considering whether or not to pull it up. I saved it, but this is the shit that I'm talking about. That's it's really concerning to me. Um, where's this article at? Let me go to my save stuff here. If I can figure out how to work this app. Yeah, careful with the saved list, man. We let's let's be real. Yeah, let's say we're don't start reading through that list mindlessly. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. I, it was just just the other day. Where did it go? Where did it go? Uh, well, that's is it at the top? Oh yeah, save stories. Yeah, this is yeah. Okay. This is good listening right here. This is so good. How's it's everybody doing? I, I saved it on the iPad. It's just quietly scrolling through your... 
<laughs> I bet I can find it because it was just yesterday. Uh, oh, well, what was the story about? Let's well, I want to read the title because that's what's really important here. Um, oh. This was the title. Good Lord, it was from Fast Company. Um, everything, is being, everything is about race right now. Everything. I think, you know, it is important to have conversations about race, right? But to overdo it in a way that it almost detracts from any meaningful conversation, that is the problem in my mind. Um, geez, where is it? Oh, man. Well, you know, I'll find this. this is, boy, I've just wasted a lot of time here. But uh, uh, is that the dog? That's our. That's the German Shepherd next door. I was gonna say that does I not. I told you that puppy sounds like that. You oh, have, dude! You're have a no, on your no, 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 no. Uh, uh-uh. uh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll find this here at some point here. But it basically was uh, about. Oh, here it is. Here's I found it. Here's the title of this article in Fast Company. It says how microaggressions, which is bullshit. Let's just be honest. Microaggressions came out of academia, and it's a bunch of horse shit, and we could talk about that later. How microaggressions look different when we're working remotely. And I said, is there really a whole article devoted to this? And so uh, they have this breakdown, and they talk about the, the beginning of microaggressions. But listen to these things here. And I want you just to give me your honest opinion here. Um, okay. So it said, according to Columbia professor Daryl Wingsu, who, whose team defined microaggressions as the new face of racism in 2007, these actions fit into one of three categories. This is the problem. Microassault. An explicit racial derog- uh, derogation, verbal or nonverbal. For example, using racial slurs or refusing to work with something because of their race, ethnicity, or national origin. I think there's a different word for that. That's just being an asshole you're just being a racist (laughs) like why do we have to have a separate definition for that i'm like if you are using racial slurs or refuse to work with somebody because of their race ethnicity or national origin you're just a racist that's it yeah so what the fuck is this micro about that exactly but but this is the problem with academia let's break this down a little bit then there's micro insult communication that conveys rudeness and demeans a person's racial heritage or identity subtle snubs unknown to the perpetrator hidden insulting message to the recipient. For example, telling someone they are not like others of their race or repeating an insensitive joke about the person's person's ethnicity. Again, you're just a racist. (laughs) Well, hold on, go back. Because you said unknown to the perpetrator oh oh yeah that's the part that's that's frustrating that and that is the that so yes that part right there if it's unknown this is where the the uh the discussion about intention and impact are being completely diluted this goes back to my point of we have to be very clear and specific about what we mean because you can be held responsible uh for a micro insult when it was never your intention but now you're a bad guy and to me i'm like that's that's incorrect Right. right, but that's but you know we we talked about this earlier um, before we started about the importance of communication and the art of communication and the and look if I say something that I mean and when I you know when I have conversations when I initially have conversations, you know in the military we call it an initial counseling it's when you sit down with the people who are going to work for you and you you know you kind of tell them what your expectations are what they can expect from you all that kind of stuff right mm-hmm. um, and one of the things that I always tell people is that. You know, you can have an environment, the way that you have an environment where um, you have respect 
and dignity and um uh and and you you know people feel like they're you know they're 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 cared about and treated well um you can have that when people understand that you as a leader truly want to treat them that way at all times however if you do that, if you make that intent very clear and you try to live it as much as you can, that means you don't have to walk around on eggshells. Right. So that and, – and, and because what that does is it opens up the door for people to tell you, hey, that kind of hurts my feelings because then I can come back and say, oh, OK, well, they're saying that to me because they obviously know I didn't mean to do that. Right. And I just inadvertently did it. Right. Exactly. And so – so so that – so – there is, in my mind, there is – that's kind of a two-way street. Everybody's got some responsibility in the success of that environment, which is I have a responsibility to always treat people with dignity and respect, right? And if I inadvertently treat you – like I'll give you a great example. There was a guy that used to work for me, um, and his name uh, – well, his name doesn't matter. I won't bring it up. I won't bring it up here, but we called him Junior. And Junior was uh, – was straight up 100% Mexican. His parents grew up, he grew up walking with his parents at, you know, at the age of three and four through the fields in California because they were migrant workers that worked in a group as a family and they were no kidding. They would, they would, they would harvest the lettuce and then they would go harvest the broccoli. And there was always one person in the group that would go forward and find the next crop. And then he would, then, then it would, they, so he, no kidding, grew up with migrant worker, illegal immigrant parents. And he was, you know, he was an army officer that worked for me. Um, and we had a great rapport where I could make jokes about his Mexican heritage and he could make jokes about my heritage. And it was fine. And you know why? Because Junior always knew that it was never my intent to actually hurt his feelings. We were just having fun. And if I ever crossed the line, he could come to me and say, hey, man, that was kind of – and they'd be like, oh, geez, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to – so you could have an environment where all that – you know, where your intent doesn't always have to be – you know, you're not culpable for that intent um, per se, but th that's a two-way street. Right. Like you have to open up that environment which says it's never my – you know, it's never my intent to hurt your feelings if I inadvertently – cross the line you have to tell me because i want to correct myself i don't want to be that person but i also want to live in an environment where we can enjoy each other's companies and have well, fun and you know 100%. and maybe someone will say well you know you shouldn't have fun by but you know nothing you ever say should be about somebody's heritage no, who cares what they say man yeah that's the no, thing that's that's who you are that's your life and it's you know like look i can't but if you 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 can make fun of my background all day long because a lot of it's funny yeah it is seriously okay. irish and italian it's like oh, Two, two lowbrow, like, you know. Oh, my God. My grandmother and my grandfather straight up 100% Italian, 100% Irish. They hated each other. Oh, oh scum of the earth. No. <laughs> they hated each other. But, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, how do you live your life without being able to have those kind of relationships? That's the point. Where, you know, you know we say any, – you and I say anything to each other. Oh, we all the time. To each other. Right, because we have a level of trust. Like, we know. Yeah. And that's, hey, that's a familiarity. Yeah. You know, you yeah, can yeah, say yeah. anything, exactly. it, it, and and that's the way it was for me growing up as an army brat. You know, I talked to my buddy Chris Jones about this. Uh, we actually did a video on it, um, but the whole thing is that that deep familiarity. We would all make fun of each other's, you know, racial background as a because we were so close, and we, and the yeah. whole point was we were making fun of ourselves 
you know, acting ignorant. It wasn't like we were trying to really dig and point out like, oh, I'm trying to make you feel lesser. That's the thing is that this whole conversation around microaggressions and, uh, you know, and race, like hyper-focusing on race actually does the opposite of what it says it's intending to do. Um, you know, that's, to me, it's, you know, and it's all being done in this, this name of uh, inclusion and diversity. I'm like, well, if you want an inclusive environment, create a trusting environment. But what you're doing is you're creating this like hyper anxious. Everybody has to check what they say. Nobody's going to be honest. And you're actually uh, you're creating a very exclusive environment because nobody's going to actually want to be around each other. They're going to be too afraid to say something to each other. And to me, that is an anti-human thing. You know, is it people? <sighs> this has just gotten ridiculous. And this is what comes out of academia, you know, and, and I'm not bashing all of academia. I work in academia. You know, I'm a 1% employee over at uh, UT. You know, so it's, <laughs> I, I, they're in the business school. Yeah. So people say, oh, the business school and, you know, graduate and executive. That's not academia. Well, good, because there's a lot of really smart people over there who feel the same way as I do about this. Is that, look, this right here is just... People who were really bored and had plenty of time, probably while they were dropping acid, to think about how deep and layered, you know, the question of race could possibly get. And then they already know how to, like, create an entirely new language around it. There is no such thing as a micro assault. You're either assaulted or you're not. You know, right. there's no such thing as a micro insult. What the f that, that doesn't even make sense. Or a micro invalidation. You're either invalidated or you're not. You know, and this is, this is the thing. It says it's worth noting that through that though these actions are micro in comparison to actions such as being beaten, lynched, or having your property stolen, they are still deeply harmful. Really? Like when you blur the lines between somebody getting punched in the mouth or lynched, which were like, you think about the history of lynching. That is some horrific stuff. And now all of a sudden you put it on the same plane as this bullshit here. You have diminished the weight of something that is actually tragic. And so now everything kind of becomes sloshed together in this messy stew and nobody knows if up is down or down is up and what, what's going So they just don't say anything. And now you have a, a society that doesn't communicate. I'm a little bit well, passionate think, about this. <laughs> no, well, no, no. I mean, I, yeah, because communication is hugely important. But I, I, again, I, I think I understand how it, you know, how it evolves or where it came from. Because look, um, I would venture a guess that lynching is no longer acceptable in the United States and doesn't really happen, right? Not on the scale when it used to. Right. Okay. So we we sort of we sort of solved that physical problem, that mechanical problem. We solved that problem, right? Um, so now, what's the you know what's the next thing that's harmful? Because we have to attack that with the same vigor that we attacked lynching it's like okay yeah I, I so i get how we evolved we solved one horrific problem and people are gonna you know i'm sure are gonna run us out on a rail for saying that that problem has been solved but you know tell me the last time that that happened in a way that it was happening in the 60s or the 50s you know what i mean oh like we moved past that so i get it it's like okay now we need to work on this other thing okay yeah true you always want it. You're always trying to improve. You're always trying to make things better for everybody. But I think the approach here is, like you said, it will become counterproductive at some point because now you're eliminating the possibility that we can have honest conversations with one another. And like I am, for example, I you are not going to solve the problem of me saying something that hurts your feelings if you don't tell me I'm hurting your feelings. Right. Like you've got to tell me that. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, to have and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I'm the kind of person who will correct myself or if I won't. 
if you don't tell me, you'll never have a chance at fixing it. Yeah. Right. So creating an environment that makes conversation, honest conversation problematic is that's where that becomes counterproductive, I think. No, I think you're right. And just think how hard it is already for most people to be honest with each other. You you and me, we're, we're wired differently. You know, I mean, and the community you're in is wired differently. We have no problem just being straight up and saying what it is that we think and what we say and what we mean. And that's that's but that's not how most people function. Now, with this crap, we're really just making it even harder for people to speak openly and honestly. To me, this is very dehumanizing in a number of ways. Um, and I and I think it's uh, I think it's very problematic. And uh, yeah, um, I just and I know this is important to you, like what you say all the time. You know, put down the phone, turn off the TV. I'm going to butcher your saying here. Go out and have a conversation, right? Go out and actually talk to a human being. I mean, that's the, you know, that's what we need to move forward. But if we are going to focus on and make up stuff that isn't like, that's just most of this here is like, oh, other than you being responsible for unintentionally impacting somebody, most of this stuff is just horseshit. It, it's not a thing unless you like break it down and make it a thing. And now everybody's like, oh, was that a micro insult, a micro uh, assault or a micro invalidation? I'm not sure which one it was, but I got to make sure that I'm not doing any of those. Who honestly wants to live in a world like that? And I tell you what, if this kind of crap actually gets really pushed hard in organizations, I, I do believe you're going to see a massive drop in productivity because everybody's going to be walking on eggshells. It will backfire. So how about we just quit, you know, uh, being ridiculous and actually have real open and honest conversations with each other, you know? And we have to accept each other for all the sloppiness and messiness that we have in order to, to get better. But this idea that we're just going to focus in on a lot of these made-up terms, um, and number one, it takes the eye off of real progress and hyper-focuses it on something that's you can never solve in that world. Uh, we're not going to have real human interaction. And that, to me, is that's a real tragedy. So. Yeah, you know who would you know who would be um, what uh, what Lolly would say. I, I defer to Lolly because she's a leadership person, right? Is that a lot of that's solvable with leadership? You know, when you when you create as a leader, you create an environment where people feel like they can speak openly. Not only you know, not speak openly about and, and be an asshole. That's right, what yeah. we're talking about. I'm saying. I'm going to create an environment where you can say whatever you want. And ergo, that means you can say something right. inappropriate that's not what we're saying. female. Or, no, right. you, no, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about an environment where people can feel like they can say what they need to say and they can deal with something when it, you know, when it actually comes up. Because short of that, then, yeah, you're right. It's, it's an environment where people are walking around on eggshells. And I can tell you. I, you know, these are I, I have a lot of hypotheses, but a lot of these hypotheses have been have been I've experimented with most of them to see whether or not they're actually true. And they seem to work out in that environment that I created where a guy like Junior, we could you know, we could make yeah. jokes about him being Mexican and and he could make jokes about, you know, about me. It, it was, you know, it, again, it wasn't. Wait, what, it are, you where, what are you again? What are you again? What are you again? Italian, Portuguese. Yeah, there you go. You know mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. So. so so a, a yeah. rescue dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Back in That'd the day, right? All, all so, Americans, yeah. Go ahead. But yeah, continue yeah. on. Sorry. But, but but you know what I mean? Like like, you know. And again, I'm not I'm not I'm not no, saying I, hey, you know, you should have carte blanche to make fun of people in their heads. No. no, that's not what I'm saying at all. You know what I'm saying is that you should create an environment where people understand that the expectation and the intent is to always treat people with dignity 
empathy and respect. And if you inadvertently cross that line, then you can address it and you can yeah. say, hey, man, that's not cool. Well, because, because and they will when they know, oh, Paul didn't mean to say that. He, I don't think he realized what he just said. Right. And then they can correct you. Yeah, because and, and to add to that, Pete, when you have that kind of trust with somebody and if you step over that line and they come to you, you feel like shit. You're like, oh, dude, man, because it's not because like, oh, I said something wrong. It's like, man, I did not mean to hurt. Oh, and, you know, and they're like, hey, I know you didn't mean that. But that's a level of trust. And, you know, this people say, oh, immediately somebody could focus in and say, oh, well, then why would you need to make these jokes? anyway?" it's like it's not like you have some need to make these jokes. It's more it's deeper rooted in the fact that these actions because you're not saying anything hateful you're just like fun and teasing you're really just making fun of stereotypes which every all of us would do when i was growing up and we and it's because we had such a deep trust with each other same situation that you have there what it does is it also reinforces this common narrative inside that bond of trust which is like i'm not perfect you're not perfect you know but you know that i've got your back no matter what there's this kind of this camaraderie that uh you're never wondering if you can trust that person when you have that level of trust where you guys can pick on each other you know and i mean that that requires a level of familiarity that a lot of people don't have but that we as humans crave and it has nothing to do with like your race that's just an example of like maybe it's just how we grew up and how we operate is that we're because we're around so many different people with so many different backgrounds that that's that was my family my entire upbringing um so maybe maybe we're different in that way, but I don't I don't necessarily think that that's true, you know, all the way around. It's just when you have a deep trust and familiarity uh, with people, those are the richest relationships, right? Yeah, you can. I mean, I can tell you on a you know on a on a on a small team on a special forces detachment or something, man, you can say anything to anybody about anything. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh yeah. And and that's it, it is it is the deepest possible manifestation of trust because you are depending on one another for your lives you know what i mean you truly care about one another truly depend on one another yeah and the level of trust is off the charts right so i mean i'm just that just validates your you know your your notion that with in an environment where people trust one another then then those things don't you know there is no such thing as a micro there isn't a such thing as, a, as aggression i can't i mean as a testament to the environment and how um, how cautious even we are in it. I wouldn't even repeat the shit that we say in the team room, uh, you know. Oh, uh, in, no. Because mm -mm. people would be like, oh, my, they'd be aghast. And it's like, yeah. no, man, that's just, you know, that's just how we are with one another. And again, you know, I people will easily, because, you know, because I've spent so much time in the military, people will easily write me off as a misogynist. Or the, man, no, Who I'm cares? not. Yeah, because you're not. Cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's not, you know, um, Anyway, I, yeah. So, so that's a that's a that's a that's a uh, a, a long, contemplative, out loud discussion about communication. Um, and yeah, I, I do, I do see that. I do see manifested in organizations, right? Although I am shocked. I think I told you about this earlier. I am shocked at. Um, I, I I still get taken aback at at when people don't communicate. Like I don't understand that. I, mm -hmm. I was I was working with an organization. And, um, you know, I, I started off dealing with the president and uh, we had, you know, we had a great visit and everything went great and they were all in to support us and help us. And that was awesome. And um, and so, you know, I sent them up, uh, you know, after that, after we had spent the day there, I sent them, uh, you know, kind of a statement of our requirements, everything that we were going to need. 
And the guy just kind of went radio silent. And I was like, huh, that's weird. And so I sent it back. And I mean, I think I sent that guy like four or five emails saying, hey, man, what's and finally I got to the point where I was like, hey, is there somebody else that I should be dealing with? And he referred me to somebody else in the company. And then that guy started knocking it out of the park, very responsive, got everything lined up, all that kind of stuff. But the guy that I was dealing with originally never said, he never said to me, hey, um, you know, I, I don't have the bandwidth to deal with this right now. So I'm going to transfer you over to this guy and he's going to handle it. Right. He never said that. And so yeah. I was like, what? And so finally I sent him a pretty provocative email um, to the degree that, you know, emails are provocative. You know, just <laughs> Right. Um, I always, you know, I say that at work all the time when I'm doing something I'm not supposed to be doing or breaking some rules. Someone's going to be like, well, what's going to happen? I was like, oh, I don't know. Maybe somebody will send me a stern email. I don't care. <laughs> so um, taking my own advice, I, I, you know, I sent a pretty provocative email. I said, hey, man, what's the deal? You know, I'm very concerned about the lack of communication. Um, you know, is there something going on there that I need to know about? It's going to affect our event. Um, and, uh, and at the end of the day, if there is, I, I expect to hear it from you. Nothing, no response that like that lack of communication absolutely blows my mind. I cannot wrap my head around that at all. Like that's just not anything yeah. I've ever dealt with before in my professional. Welcome to the civilian life. world, my friend. Oh my God. Like who does that? I who was warning you about this two years ago, right? Because everybody's like, oh, man, yeah, we want to do this, we want to do that. That's, I mean, you got to lower that bar. You're around SF guys and, you know, in highly competent teams, although I know you'll say, well, sometimes they're not. But relative, <laughs> relative. Uh, yeah, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. When you don't communicate, we already have a difficulty being honest and communicating with each other. Why create even more barriers to that? Um but yeah, you know, it's uh, this goes back to something I've talked about before and that I do. Uh, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but it's just I have very low expectations of people. Uh, and that's not again, that sounds negative, but it's really not because I'm often surprised. So if, uh, you know, I think the way that we we get really upset or uh, disappointed is when we have unrealistic expectations of people. But I so I've learned to keep mine really, really low. And uh it's just it's made life a whole lot easier. So if somebody actually gets back to me in a timely fashion, they stand out because that is not the norm for a lot of people. If somebody doesn't get back to me for a long time, I assume either one, they just don't want to talk to me or two. Hey, my first response is no longer like, ah, man, they must not like me. They must not. It's not about me. It's like maybe their mother just passed away. Maybe something horrible has happened in their family. Mm -hmm. So trying to get it allows me to give people the benefit of the doubt. So um, there are times, though, where you will have higher expectations of people, but that's a very close, tight circle. I know for you and your guys, you know, if you're over, if you're on a 12-man team over in the desert, you better have high expectations, right? You can't be like, hey, you know, if, if Paul comes through, uh, you know, great. If not, whatever. Well, that whatever, you know, you may not be coming home. So that's a different kind of situation. But in general, keep your expectations of people low. Um, and you won't be uh, sorely disappointed. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like that. I don't like the idea of like having low expectations of people. You know what I mean? Like I want like, yeah. I, I don't know. I, 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 you're right. I agree with you. I do. I definitely do the same thing. I'm like, I don't automatically assume someone is a gong show just because they don't get back to me immediately. And certainly I'm not one of those people that if I send out, you know, I send you a message on a Friday afternoon, I expect to hear from you Saturday. No, Unless it's me. Yeah. Paul, Paul will yeah. text me like, Hey, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's different. Like yeah, I take it as a, you know, because we're in that circle of trust. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but you know what I mean? Like, like, um, 
So I look at it the same way. I'm like, oh, maybe something's going on. I mean, you know, but then it's like when it's like repeated and yeah, you know, that's just mean? unprofessional. Like, but I don't want to walk into it that way. Like, I don't want to have low expectations. Like, I want to, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I, like, I don't know that I can do that. I don't know that I, that I well, feel like there's something to be gained by expecting everybody to be. No, uh, I, I don't expect everybody to fail. What I mean is that maybe there's a better way to put this. Um, I, like this guy who communicate, did not communicate with you. To me, that's just that's a that's a warning that says you, you, I don't want to do business with this guy again, right? I'm not saying that's what you should do or shouldn't, but we'll get these warnings now. If your expectations are high, and I have a good friend of mine, he has unrealistically high expectations of people so much that it stresses him out. And I was like, man, you you're expecting way too much. You're expecting people to function as you like you. I said that's unrealistic. Um, I want to always give people that space to rise to the occasion. So if my expectations are high, I very rarely will be able to let them rise to the occasion. And expectations, it doesn't mean that I don't think they can rise to the occasion. In fact, I think it is. I think every person can. You just want to create enough space where they can actually do it. And that can look really mundane, like, oh, this person's on it. They got back to me. They're taking care of this. I'm not having to track them down. You know, I'm really impressed. It helps you to see the folks that stand out. Um, otherwise, you're going to walk around in a constant state of disappointment and frustration. Yeah, you make a good point because it does stress me out, man. I get like I get kind of pissed when I, you know what I mean. And yeah. you're right. And maybe that maybe the 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 solution to that is not necessarily um, finding people that I can always depend on in a way that is commensurate with the experience that I've had. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it does kind of stress me out sometimes because I'm like, what in the fuck is going on here? Why yeah. does this guy, you know? And that it pisses me off. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, I'm here for you. You can always talk to me about these things. I'll help you. Bro. Yeah, well, I, hesi- yeah, I hesitate to acknowledge that you might have said something of value ever. Uh, <laughs> I know. That, on a know, Saturday. Thank you. Yeah, on a Saturday, that gave me something to think about. I thought we were just going to talk about your dog and the giant dumps that thing was going to be taken for the I, next 10 years. I know. Then we jumped into microaggressions. Oh, man. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Yeah. Oh. So this is definitely, yeah. So this is as rambling as the episode that we lost, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that we weren't able to get to, unfortunately, because um, it just didn't segue right was our, you know, our unbelievably helpful and heartwarming discussion about both of our vasectomies, and really, so people are going to miss out on that. I mean, that was a, that was a, that was a really good one. That oh, I, yeah, I don't know how. Like, well, yeah, yeah. There's really nothing else to say now that you've said it. Yeah, yeah no, it's no, it's yeah, it didn't. It, I didn't set it up very well, but I felt like we. Uh, that was one that we. I will say we, it is one of the better decisions I've ever made in my life. Yeah. Well, I mean, not if you keep getting giant dogs. You, you don't seem to understand how that's going to – you've basically got a newborn down there. We do. We do. Yeah. He's, he's awesome, though. Yeah. yeah. We're going to put him on the cover of the podcast. Well, we had to – so we had to uh, we had to go without a guest this week. We got a, we got a couple of great ones coming up for sure. Um, Trevelyn's just an amazing dude. Um, I'm not going to reveal anything about him because, you know, this is a, this is a, a, a friend of mine who never does podcasts, but it's just this remarkable – artist and just interesting spirit in the universe um and we got other folks lined up but every once in a while you'll still have to because people don't genuinely um like us i think they just think it's a a, yeah i think it's just they're like oh that podcast has a pretty good name people probably listen to that right um so you know yeah we gotta we bring in guests kicking and screaming uh but every once in a while you still have to endure just us prattling on and 
and uh, they'll and if you, if there's no guest in the title, you might wanna you might wanna give some thought about how you're using your spare time. Absolutely, seriously, do something with your life because this is no way to spend it. Here's two guys on a Saturday morning rambling on about various things and. Yeah. yeah, good point, Paul. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's a beautiful day too. I mean, yeah. it I'm, is like North Carolina winter. I'm gonna hit the trail, dude. It was like 65 degrees out this morning. Mm-hmm. I actually, and it was breezy, so I actually had to put a sweatshirt on when I was outside drinking my coffee. It was nice. Yeah, yeah. Christine's out at uh, Raven Rock State Park with some of the gals. Oh like, yeah, my hey. my wife, she did the Raven Rock Rumble as a trail run. This is back before kids. She was a trail yeah. runner, like in long distance, and yeah. She did that one. That's, yeah, it's nice there. And now with 295, it's easier to get there. We get there much quicker because they're cutting 295 through the um, through Fayetteville. So, nice. yeah, so it's a great day. So I don't know why. Well, I don't know what we're doing inside recording. I'm going to go mountain episode. biking. That's what I'm going to do. Oh, you getting on the bike? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Hopefully the trails aren't too washed out from, I mean, a couple of days ago we had all that nice rain. Oh, yeah. From Hurricane Sally, Tropical Storm yep. Sally. Yep. So, Fantastic. Uh, it was wonderful. Uh, all right. Well, yeah. I don't think we've helped anybody understand why this is the best pandemic ever on this episode, but I will say, I will throw this last bit in so that we can always talk about a silver lining. Over the last five weeks, you know, my kids have been all virtual at school, right? Um, And uh, um, my youngest, so my oldest does cross country and he's a swimmer Um, and he's a junior in high school. My youngest is a freshman this year and he's like, oh, I'm not going to do cross country. I won't do it till I'm a sophomore. You know, I got to get my academic, all this other kind of stuff. Well, because they were home all the time, Paul was getting these cross country workouts emailed to him from the coach. And I just arbitrarily, when we were all at breakfast one morning at Waffle House on a Saturday, which is how you, you can, that's what you need to do in North Carolina. Um, so I, uh, I, um, I just said to Ben, I said, hey, why don't you just, uh, why don't you start working out with Paul? And he was like, Okay, he's like, Paul, I'll start working out with you. And then those kids have been running. They they went this morning. They had an hour. I think they ran like five miles this morning, the two of them. Oh, that good. never would have happened without the pandemic because they're home. They got extra time. Those kids, they work out six days a week together now. Oh, that's and nice. They're out there. Oh, yeah, they're out there crushing it. You know, so there you go. That's your, that's your, that There's is your affirmation. Line. That is your affirmation that this is the best pandemic ever. Aside from the fact that it gives us the opportunity to talk about stuff that needs to be talked about. Um, yeah. Usually with interesting people other than us. Right. But uh, yeah, we're going to, we're, we're going to close on that, on that high note because there's been a lot of low notes. <laughs> Keep your expectations low, my friend. And then everything's yeah. a high note. <laughs> oh, that was good. Yeah. I uh, definitely enjoyed that for sure. So I guess I'll take us out. Sound good? Yep. All right. Well, you know the deal. If you had not subscribed to the show, you know, think about it. Let's give it some thought. Take some time. Uh, Keep your expectations low. (laughs) Please do. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Share this episode. Share the show with anybody uh, that you think could actually benefit from this. (laughs) Of course, I'm saying that after we've completely trashed ourselves on the show. But, uh, yeah, so definitely share this with your friends, with your family. And, uh, and then reach out to us as well. We want to hear from you. Uh, we want to, uh, to know what you're thinking, what's on your mind. And uh, as long as you keep them at a paragraph's length and no longer, that would be greatly appreciated. Because my attention span, and Paul's for sure, is pretty much dead after three sentences. Okay, let us know what you're thinking. Comment on the show. Share it with your friends and family. Subscribe if you have not. And stay tuned for our show next week, where we are still not sure who's going to be with us. All right, we're out.